The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okay, welcome back to the First Cut Podcast. My name is Kyle Porter. Uh, we are without Chip Patterson, but we have uh, Mark Gilman to talk about the Open Championship today. Chip is uh, covering some football, Mark. Uh, but, uh, man, how fired up are you for this Open, the the 148th at Royal Portrush this week? Well, you know, Kyle, every year I get asked the question, what's my favorite major championship? And and obviously in deference to the Masters because it's such a special event and I'm a Bob Jones nut and obviously that tournament is very special to our family. Um, the Open is just, it's one of a kind. It's so great to go to. Um, the towns that you go to are so quaint and so fun and the championship is so big and so global. And and honestly, it was the first one I ever saw on TV. So it's always special and and. Uh, it's a meaningful event, and so for me, I'm completely amped up, man. Yeah, I am too. It's my favorite one, I think, to consume during the year, and you and I are going to be doing it on TV this year, not not doing the tournament, but consuming the tournament on TV. How much different is it for you when you are watching an open on TV versus being there in person? Well... I love the whole on TV thing. I've done that for the last couple of years. I haven't been um, to the Open in a while, just given travel commitments and such. And and I love to wake up early in the morning and get the coffee and get on the couch and and watch the NBC coverage of it because I think those guys do a great job. And so I, I love the TV version of it because when you're there, you're in the um, the the atmosphere of it and you get the the scale of everything and you get to experience these links venues and the weather changes and such. You know, now I'm comfortable. I'm in my basketball shorts, <laughs> you know, and, and I got the coffee on hand. I don't need to worry about umbrellas and stuff like that. So, so it, it is different, but all the same, it's it's great viewing for me. Yeah, I agree. The the getting up in the middle of the night thing, it's awesome on Thursday. Then on Friday, it's like ah, I don't know, maybe I'm good. Uh, but then Saturday and Sunday, later tea time, so it's it's not too bad. I, I I'm with you. I, I think it is. To, to me, just the best TV viewing experience of the entire year. There's a ton of coverage. Guys are going off uh, the first TL day. I think the RNA does a really good job with the pairings, kind of spreading out. And, and Augusta does this, too. They don't kind of bunch all the stars together. I love some of these pairings. I think they're a lot of fun. Um, in terms of Port Rush, though, what, what do you think of – you know, th- this is such a different deal. You know, it, it's not – traditionally been part of the open rota what do you think of when you when you think about port rush and and when people are kind of talking about it going into this tournament well for me you know so much of the open is the experience around the golf course around the tournament and the golf course because a lot of these great links venues are kind of the central point of town you think of st yeah. andrews and and you've got market street and uh, right there and so everything happens around golf and and in Northern Ireland, I mean, there's so much good golf up there. And so I think when I think of Port Rush, I think of the northern part of Ireland, which to me is gorgeous. I, I think of Guinness, obviously. <laughs> 
um, and, and the whole experience of it, I, I love when I go over there, one of the first things I do for the open is I have a bacon batty, which is their version of like bacon with lots of butter on a, on a bun or a roll. And so it, it's the experience of it. But as far as the golf course goes, I mean, Harry Colt design, and he's one of the preeminent guys of all time. It's an incredible golf course. It asks you every question in the book. Apparently, the rough is long and lush. Um, and And I just think as I think now as it pertains to Northern Ireland and the folks around that county, it's such a big deal for them to have championship golf back there and it's such a, a prestigious championship. I'm sure the atmosphere there must be incredible. So uh, it's a quaint Irish town, you know, lots of weather changes. You get four seasons in a day, you get some great food, some great golf. And so I just think it, it sort of checks for me all of the emotional boxes. Yeah, I agree. I, I saw Adam Scott talking about this earlier in the week. He was talking about how it's a little different in terms of an open venue just because you're you're a little more constrained off the tee. You know, you go to, you go to a St. Andrews, you go to you know, some of these other places and you can be a little wild off the tee, right? Like you can you can spray it a little bit and still be okay. That's sort of, you know, Lynx golf. That's why Jordan Speeth has played well at times at the open, I think. Uh, and this is a little different. I think this is going to be a little more I don't know if I don't know if Shinnecock is the right comp. I mean, they're different golf courses, but you're going to have to be a little tighter off the tee, and and no matter what you're hitting, whether you're pulling driver, whether you're going to see a lot of two irons. I'm curious about what you think this course, the questions it asks that are maybe a little different than a St Andrews, than a Carnoustie, than than a more traditional open venue. Well, each open venue, as you look at them, have so many little quirky characteristics like true and you go out and you come back in. You know, there's no loop through nine. St. Andrews, it's a similar deal where you travel out and in. Then Royal St. George's, the golf holes all over the show. And then Carnoustie, you don't have a golf hole that basically travels in the same direction. So there's no similar wind direction. Where this golf course, there is a pattern to it. Um, it's certainly going to place an emphasis, as you point out, on the driver. I feel like that's why you see McElroy with the course record at that place because if mm -hmm. you can drive the ball well and you avoid the bunkers you're going to have the advantage on the golf course um the the, the course wins its way like most links co courses between the mounds but the, the rough from all reports on the mounds and these humps and hollows and stuff is punitive and so if you don't drive the golf ball well this week you're really going to have yourself a tough time and so it's to to me it's become a ball strikers thing where Oftentimes, most open championships mitigate that, mm -hmm. as you, and then also with the greens being a little slower because of the winds that can kick up, they can also even out the playing field when it comes to putting, and and there'll be more of the same here. There are not too many severe humps and hollows on some of the greens over here, so there there won't be as big a, a challenge, I think, brought to bear on the putter. Yeah, I think I think what's going to be really interesting because the, the part of the allure of the open is how it sort of um it, it's more inclusive in terms of who can contend you've seen matt kutra contend you've seen kevin kisner last year was was playing uh, late on sunday and i'm curious to see if port rush is, is the same it it doesn't going into it i i don't know whether this would be the case but going into it it doesn't feel like as many guys are going to be able to contend as normally would at an open championship. Do you agree or disagree with that? I agree with that uh, just because it's been such a wet season and the, go the pictures from the golf course have it looking so green and so lush. Yeah. And Gary Woodland was asked about this and he's like, I'm going to drive the golf ball everywhere, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So 
you're going to have to drive the golf ball. And so as a result, the firm, fiery conditions where guys like a Kisner or a Furyk or a Watson back at Turnbury, when you can trundle the ball some 75, 80 yards down the fairway, you know, in the air and then running, it's it's going to – in venues like that when it's firm and fast, everyone plays from the same position basically because the long guys will gear back off the tee and the short guys can hit driver and end up in the same place. So it becomes an iron striking and short game contest. Uh, where nowadays, uh, at this golf course, you're gonna there's you you're gonna see a disparity where the longer guys can take on lines that most folks can't. They can take out some of these these pot bunkers that surround the fairways, and so you'll you'll see the power guys have the advantage, in my opinion. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Uh, Irish Open was here in 2012, and the winning score there was 18 under, which seems pretty low for a, a place like this. I know it's all weather dependent. I, I, I know you could see anything. Do you expect it to rise close to close to 20 like we saw at the Irish Open back in 2012? I don't know. It's uh, it's so weather dependent as you point out. It's also a different golf course. You know, there's yeah. five greens, there's eight new tees, uh, there's 10 new bunkers that have been added and they are in very strategic places and you've got to avoid those things if you want to, you know, win the Open, certainly. And then there are two new holes. The seven and eight have basically been redesigned. They're brand new holes there. So it's a different test to what it was back at the Irish Open. And if the weather obliges, the guys will take advantage. They're just all so good this, uh, now. And they're all so powerful. And if greens are receptive and fairways are playing wider because they're more lush, the guys will shoot some low scores. But if the wind kicks up and you get some rain and stuff, then it's a different deal. So I, I don't think it's a direct comparison. Obviously, there's a similar footprint going on there. But... You know, when you're playing for a major championship, the pressure and the emotion of the whole thing is also ratcheted up. I hope the wind kicks up. I love it when it's just, just howling. And just... Yeah, it's you on your couch. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's great. Basketball shorts. Okay, let's talk a little bit about this field. Uh, Brooks Kepka comes in as one of the favorites. He is, I think, second behind Rory in, in terms of Vegas betting favorites. He said on Tuesday, Mark, that he doesn't – this, this was hilarious. He said he doesn't practice – before non-majors but he does before majors and that's why he plays so well at majors what what is going on here is that is that real is that true what what did you think about that well brooks is a very forthright guy and i know him pretty well and if he says it you can basically take it to the bank so so i'm going (laughs) with this um and and to be honest with you um it's a controversial statement, but Brooks mm-hmm. is not afraid of making those statements. You've been there in the media centers where you'll look at the guy asking the question and say, well, that guy's full of it, and uh, I, I don't like slow play, and they should call these guys. You know, he makes those comments, and so he's comfortable doing that. I think he's he's assumed his place, his, his rightful place in the game right now, and, and he sees himself now in that Tiger Woods, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy kind yeah. of vein where – my career now is measured by what I do in the major and the big events, and so I can, I can believe him. You know, do I find it amusing? Sure. Do I find it intriguing? Absolutely. And 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 I just think it's adding to the legend that is growing with Brooks Kepka. And so I, I think the timing of his observation was cool because I'm sure there's going to be some locker room speak on the go too. Yeah, and I, and I think there's an interesting aspect of this. I know people are going to have fun and joke about it and whatever, but. There, there's and you've seen this I know just being close to it there, there's the opportunity to just wear yourself out and, and and to and to participate in unhelpful practice like where you're overdoing it and you're just you're tiring yourself out and what we saw we've seen this in other sports we saw it this year 
with Kawhi Leonard uh, with the Raptors to where he, he paces himself. He paces himself, and then he saves himself. He saves his mental and physical energy for the games that really matter in the playoffs. And to me, that's a little bit of what Kepka is doing. I don't know. I think some of it is just like he doesn't like to practice, but I do think there is an aspect of it that's that's truly helpful at some of these majors. Well, yeah. Well, look, the one thing we know about Brooks is he's come up hard scrabble. You know, as a young man, he was never the superstar. Everything he's gotten, he's worked for. Everyone has, but but he did it the hard way. He he came up through Florida State, went and played in the European Challenge Tour, which is no picnic. Yeah. And he's, you know, he earned his way to where he is. And I, I, I'm with you. I feel like he's, he's, he's a grinder of that. There's no doubt. His performance in the major shows that. And, and when he gets to the majors, he works hard. So he, he has that gear. But the way I think he's viewing himself right now is like, look, I'm playing in some of these other events with respect to them because, um, I need to just stay under pressure a little bit <laughs> for what I'm doing. And it gives me a beat on what I need to go and do as I prepare for the big events. Somebody who hasn't played in many events recently, Tiger Woods. Uh, I thought some of his comments on Tuesday were pretty interesting as well. Uh, you know, he, he, I mean, it's crazy. He's only played 10 rounds since the masters coming into this open championship. And, and he basically said like, look, I just, I told you guys, I wasn't going to play as much. I'm not playing as much. And I only have so many swings left. And I thought that was, I don't know if he, he's probably insinuated that before. I don't know if he's actually said those words before, but what are your thoughts on him coming in, not having played? Is that, does that matter here? Is that a big deal to you? Um, well, my first impression is Tiger 2.0 is way more um, honest than yeah, you I know. back in the day. This is something that, you know, you've been there in the media center with us. It's, he never would say those things mm-hmm. with playing well or badly. It was like you'd get the platitudes. Uh, in, in terms of not playing coming in here, um, I heard a comment that he made that I found fascinating. And it is so true because people don't bear this in mind. And he was like, the work toward and then the winning of the masters really, in his words, took it out of him. It, it, it really wore him down. And and the emotional and the uh, mental and the physical ringer that these guys go through during these big events is is something that us common folk can't really. <laughs> and and I can see because I you know in my broadcast stuff, you get all jacked up and the adrenaline's way high during the event and then there's a fall off thereafter. Yeah, I can imagine you know winning the Masters, all that work going into it, then just the adrenaline letdown. Obviously, there's the euphoria afterwards, but your body is just spent. And look, Father Time is unbeaten. I hate to say this, you know, because there are a few guys that have defied the odds a little bit. But Tiger has to manage what he's doing in terms of his work. And and four weeks off, is it ideal for competition? No. I mean, get back to the Brooks thing. Mm-hmm. He went played in Minneapolis just to stay running, if you will. Um, but can Tiger um, get by this? Yeah, I think he can still because – links golf you never really know you you just got to find a little something get a few bounces make a few timely putts and all of a sudden um but 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 it is it's a curious approach but i feel like it is very well thought out and very well founded um given where he is in his career and how he is um basically measuring what he's doing yeah something chip and i talked about on on uh, monday yesterday i guess was just about how even if you don't want to admit it, like winning the masters almost, it, it just lessens your drive or your, your, I mean, 
like it, it just it just has to like there's no way that that doesn't like at least satiate some part of you that was like can I do it again can I win another major and I think we're a little bit seeing the fallout from that and uh, which is fine and, and and I appreciate that he I really really appreciate and I'm glad that he is sort of come to the realization of like I've only got X number of swings left. Let's use them up at the places that matter at the, at the majors, at these tournaments that I really, really want to win. Because I think that, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, he's a volume shooter right now. He's trying to, he's trying to start as many majors as possible and hope that one or two or maybe three of them hit over the course of the rest of his career. Oh yeah. I'm with you. I mean, the Sam Snead record is one thing. The Jack Nicklaus record is the one that is, as a young man, he had the Nicholas poster on his wall in his room, so he's always aspired to that number. So, you know, getting by the Nicholas 18 majors is the deal. I mean, he's professed this, everyone's aware of it, and now it's becoming all the more apparent that he is timing his approach towards however many majors he has left in his career. Somebody I'm really intrigued by this week is a guy who uh, only one player has more top tens than him at the last five Open Championships. Uh, and that's Jordan Spieth. He's got three top tens in his last five. He's obviously coming in not playing that great. Uh, missed the cut at the Travelers. Was pretty average at the U.S. Open. I think he finished like T65 there. I, I think my, my question is like, y- you have been closer to this than I have. Is the Open a place where as, a, as, a, as somebody who's struggling mechanically, you can find some stuff or is it a place where like you want to make sure everything's pretty tight going in? Well, that's a really good question. Um, I would say to you certain opens at certain venues and you touched on this earlier. Yeah, you can find your game there because it's not going to be as severe in terms of bunkering like, like, like Lytham. If you go to Lytham and you're not driving the golf ball, well, you're going to be tripped up because every fairway is lined with three or four putt bunkers. And if yeah. you miss it's a pot bunker for the folks who have not seen this is basically a penalty shot because you are not getting the ball to the green. So for Spieth, who's battling with the ball striking, um, I would not so I, I would say Port Rush is probably not the best venue because it's a real ball striker's place to try and find some game. But that being said, you know you get out and you have a good day. Um, you start to rattle in a few putts. You get a few good bounces. The one thing about an open is it challenges one's imagination mm-hmm. and it ch- challenges one's um, sort of 360 view of the game. And Jordan himself has said he plays well at Augusta National because Augusta National get him out of playing golf swing and into playing golf because of all the uneven lies and all of the the real um, strategic management of shots that go into the thing. So I would say from that point of view, yeah, he can find his game because he might gear down off a tee once or twice. He can sort of roll a few balls in there. He can play shot shaping instead of golf swing construction. And so – I, I'm sort of fifty-fifty on that question, but I couldn't give you a real definitive answer. Yeah, I, I know. I, I'm I'm sort of split on it too because, like, you, I mean, like Adam Scott was talking about earlier this week. If you're if you're not good off the tee, it's going to be a problem, which is not great news for Jordan Spieth. But I, I don't know, man. Like, I think there's something about an open that it just there's some, there's something like magical about it. I know that sounds ridiculous. And Tom just, Watson, Greg Norman, think about it. I mean, think yeah. About it. The, the 50 plus guys that that, that make the runs uh, Darren Clark when he won his yeah. open it's there, there are so many things that are likely to happen at any time at one of these golf courses because every hole no matter how easy is fraught with potential disaster you know one putt bunker you saw David Duval at the open in the road hole bunker 
make I think it was nine or whatever, and he was in contention. So yeah. you just get on the wrong side of a bad bounce, and all of a sudden something's different. So yeah, I'm hearing you. Speaking of, can you imagine if Darren Clark or Graham McDowell contends this week? Oh, oh goodness gracious me! I, I think the only one more popular, perhaps was if Ricky Elliott picked up uh, <laughs> okay, or if Rory ends up winning because obviously there's all the hype. Clark or McDowell would be so cool. Yeah, the Rory thing, Chip and I have talked about it a lot. It, it's um, it's almost too good to be true. Like it's <laughs> it's almost like it it can't happen because it would be too fairy tale in terms of him coming you know, just full circle from 14 years ago from shooting that 61 at age 16. And, you know, I, I think that, and I wrote about Rory on, well, I wrote about it for CBSports.com on Tuesday, but just the last four years have been weird because he's, he's played good golf. Like he's been awesome this year uh, in a lot of ways, but all people seem to look at is the major total, which has been zero. And I think he has a chance to erase all of that with a win here and and what it would mean not only to the people of Northern Ireland. I mean, I can't even imagine the celebration on Sunday and, and what all that would be like, but for him to sort of remind everyone of the trajectory of his career. Uh, I mean, it, it would be to me, if Tiger winning the masters was the perfect start to the major season, Rory winning port rush would be the perfect end to it. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and, and look, Here's the thing, too, where maybe we should – and you and I talked about this in the podcast before the U.S. Open, I believe it was. You know, Rory is approaching his game differently. He talks of his three Ps, which is perspective and patience, I think it was, and and, and poise or whatever the third one was. But he is measuring himself more by the human being that he is mm-hmm. and he does than the results. And, and his results have been eye-popping this year. He's had – I mean, it's a ridiculous – he's only finished outside of the top ten, I think, twice in – what was it, 19 events or something ridiculous? Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, need, I should get the numbers on those, but he's been very consistent. He won the players. He won um, in Canada at a canter. I mean, he showed us the Rory McIlroy we, we expect to see. And and it, f- for McIlroy, he's such a curious case study because all of this expectation – and then the way he's been playing so consistently, he just hasn't got it across the finish line. Everyone thinks it's a disappointing season, whereas I feel like it's quite the quite the opposite. But if he had to pull it off basically in his back garden, that would be, you know, it, it would almost rival the Tiger Woods story at Augusta National, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. He's having one of the great strokes gain season of the last 15 years. There's only been, I think he's at 2.7 right now in terms of strokes gain. There's only been three seasons better than him. It was Tiger in 05, Tiger in 06, or Tiger in 05, Tiger in 07, I think, and Tiger in 09 were all, were the only three seasons from a strokes gain perspective that, that have been better. But, you know, nobody cares, you know, you don't get a trophy for like strokes gain. You get trophies for winning major championships. So I think it'd be cool to see somebody like him sort of receive the reward for how well he's been, I think playing it. And same, same is true for a lot of guys. You look at like Adam Scott, you look at even a Patrick Cantley. He's having unbelievable strokes gain season. Xander Shoffley's up there. Justin Thomas is having a really good season from a strokes gain perspective, but they don't necessarily have the hardware to prove it. And I, I think there's, I don't know. There's that that dichotomy is so interesting to me. The way that fans perceive the way that guys are playing versus how they're actually playing. Yeah. Hey, just just to, to clear my 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 wild guess up just from just a few minutes ago, 
looked at the numbers. He's played 14 events, two wins, one second, 11 top tens, missed one cut. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Uh, that's a gargantuan performance, and 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 I think, you know, you know, I honestly think that the victories will come because, in my opinion, golf is a a function of probability. Mm-hmm. When you're hitting the ball to the strokes gain metric that you're referencing, and when you're putting yourself in position that much, the odds are stacked in your favor, and and a bounce will go your way eventually, and it'll do. It'll happen at the right time, and and I think then it might just loosen or or, or or lower the handbrake that Rory sort of has on himself a little bit where he's trying to play this game where he's wedging the ball better you know the strokes gain around the greens are imp- impressive where if he starts if, if he starts he picks off the big win all of a sudden then it'll be like McElroy of a few years ago where it was just driver lash it go and find it and play it again almost in the Phil Mickelson type ilk yeah, it was funny to uh, there was a video that the Open put out just about him shooting that 61 when he was 16. And he was like, look, I was cockier back then than I am now. I was more confident back then than I am now. And maybe I need to regain some of that. So that'll be a fascinating storyline. Obviously, probably the number one storyline along with Tiger's health going in. Two other guys that I want to talk about real quick. John Rahm, who won the Irish Open and Francesco Molinari, who obviously won last year's Open. These guys are, are, are coming in with some interesting trends here. Rom has never finished in the top 10 in an open championship. I don't think he's ever finished in the top 20 actually. And uh, Molinari doesn't have a top 10 since Augusta. So you have to kind of wonder if that, I don't know about broke him, but it, you know, if that's kind of been on his mind a little bit, what, what are your thoughts on those two guys coming into this week? Well, first addressing Rom, uh, look, <laughs> the way the guy's playing right now, the confidence level he's operating with, I would not be surprised whatsoever if he happens to lift the claret jug yeah. at some stage, if not this week. Um, so him not finishing in the top 10 in the Open is not a big deal. I mean, he hasn't played that many of them, to be honest, either. Yeah. He, he loves Lynx golf. He's, he's won just down the way in Ireland a few weeks ago, as you point out. So, so, so there's no concerns from my point of view there. In terms of uh, Molinari, you, you know, I'm very close to um, a guy who's won the Masters and then what happened thereafter you know after this career defining accomplishment that my brother had it's it's a big deal um in the game but for the individual also and so you know once you've scaled everest if you will because you've set your mind to winning this massive event then everything goes your way and you pull it off then it's dealing with what happens after you know the, the 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 come down from all of this I remember Trevor texting me um, the following morning, I think it was, or maybe two mornings later, after he had done the New York trip after the Masters win. And uh, he just texted me, he goes, Jake, who was his son, was a baby at the time, he goes, well, Jacob just threw up this morning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's, it, there's this human element to all of the stuff that we fail to comprehend. So I think for Molinari, you look at the result directly after the Masters, he missed the cut at the Heritage. That I can completely understand. But then since then, um, he hasn't played great, but he also hasn't played that badly. I mean, I was looking through the numbers. Since the PGA, where he made the cut but played average, he hasn't shot over 73. And a number of the scores have been from 68 through about 71. So the consistency is there. He's been working with his coach, Dennis Pugh, on picking up some more distance to to remain relevant with these youngsters. And, And so I feel like I'm not that concerned right now. I mean, the guys are very, very sort of placid very well-managed character and he knows what he's doing and, and I think he's beyond, he's by the Masters thing now and now it's in, into 
getting back to what I'm doing. And, and the numbers are, are trending in the right direction there. Yeah, and he's coming in just so far under the radar. I think he always yeah. does. But for a, for a defending Open champion, it's like, is, is he even playing? Like, people just aren't <laughs> talking about him very much. So, uh, hey, they, gonna... saw, they, they saw him the other day when he had to hand off the claret jug back to the RNA. I mean, that's the first time I think people, someone saw him. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, Francesco Molinari won the Open last year, and it was the best tournament of the year. It was It was so good. So... I'm fascinated by him this week. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple other guys that are flying under the radar uh, after the break. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there, and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order, plus free shipping. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, Mark, we're going to talk about uh, somebody coming in, uh, flying under the radar, somebody coming in, maybe a little bit overhyped in your opinion. Uh, let's go under the radar first. Who do you think is coming into this Open uh, just not being talked about enough as a potential champion? Uh, can I give you three? May uh, I give you three? Oh, yeah, let's, let's right do here. it. Well, well, first off, Dustin Johnson, because he's just always under the radar. Um, I, I, it's time for Dustin to play well. Uh, I'm, I'm expecting him to find a little something on a golf course that's really going to fit into his wheelhouse. Um, then Ricky Fowler. I mean, normally this guy's grabbing the lion's yeah. share of the headlines. He loves Lynx golf. He ordinarily plays well in these sorts of conditions. He welcomes bad weather. I mean, I remember around at Muirfield where it was raining sideways and blowing about 40, and, and he shot under par, which was an incredible round of golf. I'll never forget it. And, and then Englishman Matt Wallace. Yeah. People need to pay attention to this guy. Okay, he is legitimate. He's playing beautifully, um, and so I, I'm keen to see if he happens to climb up the leaderboard because those broadsheets over there in the United Kingdom, everyone still reads the newspaper over there. It's not the internet era that we have. <laughs> I'm keen to see how many times he's plastered on the back page of every broadsheet and every tabloid over there if he gets himself close to the lead. He'll quickly be above the radar then, but I would say those are my three guys there. It feels like England always has a guy that, like every two-year cycle, where you're like, well, that guy's going to win like four Ryder Cup points. And mm. it feels like Matt Wallace is that guy right now. For yeah. Whist like it, it almost feels like he's already won a match at Whistling Straits. But I agree with you about Fowler. I, I think that you know he's not he doesn't have a top ten since the Wells Fargo in May, and he missed the cut at the Scottish Open. 
maybe that's good for him, man. You know, like I feel like he always comes in, he gets all these questions about why haven't you won a major, you know, whatever. And maybe it's just good to just go out there and, and, and play golf. But uh, I got two for you. So mine are uh, Adam Scott having an unbelievable year, even though he hasn't won. Man, uh, you are on the bandwagon. I've heard you use his name like four times in the conversation. Huh? Oh, I'm I'm in on Adam Scott right now. He, play, he plays great at opens. He's just, I don't know, like he's having a good year, and I feel like people just forget about him. Like they just don't talk about him at all. And, you know, I think this is a place where – so two things. One, he's putting it great this year. I think he's like top mm-hmm. 30 or 40 in strokes game putting. But also – this is a place where I think putting is going to matter. You mentioned this earlier. It's going to matter a little bit less than a traditional open. So it just it just sets up well for him. And then the other one. I he, think, look, he's very deserving because remember Lillam? Yeah. When Aaron Ailes won? I know. Adam stumbled his way to the finish there. I mean, he's been close. He knows what it takes. Uh, back there in 2012, he finished one back of Ernie, and I think he bogeyed his last three holes, if, if memory serves. And so, yeah, I mean, that, that would be a cool win. Yeah, that really. it would. And then the other one for me is uh, Patrick Cantlay. You know, I, I think that precious, yes. I think he's like a top eight, top seven ball striker in the world right now. Just if you said who are the seven best ball strikers, I think he would be in that group. And he finished T twelve last year at Carnoustie. That was his first open was last year, which is kind of crazy, uh, considering how much success he's had. Um, but yeah, I really. I think he's going to thrive here and, uh, you know, could potentially contend to, to win his first major. You know what, Cal? That is such a great observation that you made over there because you pitched me the question for under the radar. I didn't even think of Patrick Cantlay. Right? <laughs> and I called his victory a couple of seasons back in Vegas. Yeah. And I've never seen a more impressive performance with a driver coming down the stretch for a guy who had never won yeah. at the PGA Tour level, man, he has got the game for all seasons, and and he lives under. I mean, that's that, that, that's his. That, that's where he he remains under the radar. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, then we're gonna flip it around, and uh, I'll start this one. Uh, we're gonna talk about who's coming in, maybe a little bit too hyped up, and I I hate to do this because I'm actually gonna pick him to win, but mm-hmm. it feels like every article, every story that I see is about Rory. <laughs> and I wish it wasn't because I want him to fly a little bit more under the radar. Uh, yeah. and, I, and I realize it's impossible because it's Northern Ireland. It's Rory. It's uh, been five years since he's won a major, but that would be, I guess my guy for uh, maybe coming in with a little be, you know, just being talked about. I mean, he's being talked about like an appropriate amount, but it's almost, it almost feels like him and tiger are the only two guys that are being talked about. So I would throw him, uh, into that uh, into that slot. Well, I, I certainly thought about Rory, but then I looked at his record the last few years, and he hasn't finished outside the top three in the last three years, including. I know. I know. So, 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 so I'm like, the hype is underst- understandable. Um, it, it is a lot. I mean, I switch on the golf channel, and you see Rory 61, and there's a wedge made 61 degrees, and it's all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot happening. And, and so he, uh, it, for me, I was vacillating between Rory and Tiger. And I'm fixing to, as they say in Georgia where I live, take a lot of Twitter backlash for my observation here. Um, but but I, I think it's Tiger. I, I mean, Tiger right now, I want to say this to you and I want your, your thoughts. If you said to Tiger, I'm going to give you one major a year for the next four years, would you be content? I would think he would say to you, yes, <laughs> and I play every other event yeah and, and so i feel like 
there's a lot of that sort of stuff on the go, but but he's he's just lightly run if he was a racehorse, and 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 he's playing against these youngsters that are strong, they're fit, they're coming in here prepared, they're coming in here well played, they're uh, playing well in events, no matter whether it's in Minneapolis or Travelers or wherever the place might be, but they're competing, and, and competition is a deal, and momentum is a thing in sports and certainly on the PGA Tour, so. So, so I'm sort of Rory, yes, but Tiger, uh, I would, I would answer that question with Tiger. Yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's good, and it, it's just, I don't know. Like my, my deal with Tiger is he's such a, he's such. I mean, do you remember last year at Carnoustie when? So the first couple of days, he he holds back off the tee. He's not super aggressive. Brandel's kind of coming at him for like, you know, how how conservative he is. I love Brandel, <laughs> and then I do too. But then all of a sudden on Sunday, it's like it worked like he's leading, you know? And so I just, I agree with you. Course, he, the course was fast. You're yeah. Have, no, no, look, he drove the ball beautifully at Augusta national, but Augusta national is not Royal Port rush in terms of um, severity on either side of the fairway. Um, so you're going to have to drive the golf ball well this week. And, and uh, the, uh, if he drives the ball, well, look, he can contend because he's got the mental acumen of more than anyone else in the world's game in the history of ever, as I would say. And that's with <laughs> to Jack Nicholas. If he puts the ball in play, he can contend. I just I just called uh I just said Rory was the one being talked about too much. I just wrote like fifteen hundred words on him for a for a thing on, <laughs> on CBSports.com. So I'm I'm guilty as charged. Uh okay. we, wait the match the match now is all square because remember you said under the radar and I forgot Patrick Cantley. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do picks, Mark. Uh I'm gonna make you give me your pick to win, but also I want I want to do this thing. I want uh one star or superstar that you think will not will definitely not win so (laughs) surely surely that person actually will go on to win and uh we will have to talk about it later on but uh first let's do your pick to win well look i mean this is the 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 kiss of death because whenever i pick a person it doesn't work out not to win I think there are too many question marks around Phil Mickelson right now. Um, he's not coming in very well, playing very well. Yeah. He's gone through this detox diet to sort of reset himself a little bit. Now, this is all going to happen because these guys find the special gear, like when he drives down Magnolia Lane, something switches on in Phil Mickelson. You know, he's fallen in love with Lynx Golf now since the victory, and certainly in Scotland a few years ago, and then with the Open Championship victory. So I'm saying not win Phil. I think Phil is in the process of working really hard on the golf swing. I spoke with Andrew Getz and his instructor about it. And so they are sort of thinking maybe down the road a little bit. Um, but, but I just feel like there are too many question marks with Phil right now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I saw some of his comments today just talking about how, like, he doesn't really feel like he has a great chance. And, and the numbers bear that out. He doesn't have a top 10 since he finished second to uh, to Henrik Stenson at at Royal Trent Stinson would have been a, a good under the radar guy, by the way. Um, my pick to not win is Dustin Johnson. How about that? Really? Yeah. He's only got one top 10 in his last six opens. And, you know, I, I'm going to eat these words because <laughs> Port Rush is a place where like drivers going to matter more than at a traditional open, but he just, I don't know. Like I, it's, I, I go back to St. I think it was St. Andrews in 15 when he goes like 64, 568 or something and you're like wow he's gonna win this thing by like seven and then he fades to like t48 or something that sucks him in yeah yeah and so uh i just i don't know i don't i as good as he's been at majors this year and he's been awesome i i i'm i'm fading him going into this open 
Very interesting. Very interesting. And in terms of the victors, uh, well, look, Brooks Kepka has been mammoth. I'm not so sure about him, even though he's got the local knowledge in uh, in Ricky Elliott on the bag. I'm 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 going to do this. Okay, I, I'm I'm doing this, and I'm going to regret this. But I'm saying, after all of this, all the hype, all the everything, I just have a feeling. I sound like Ben Crenshaw now. <laughs> Rory McIlroy does this this week. Uh, there's. That the stars are aligning. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going here with all of my vim and my vigor that McElroy wins in his back garden, closes out the year, and then I think opens up an entirely different conversation for a podcast for you and me down the track, whereas who is the PGA Tour Player of the Year? Yeah, I know. Brooks. So I'm saying McElroy. I am too. I, I, I already. It's Tuesday and I already regret it. And uh, I just can't. We're not Wednesday and change our minds. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. I can't. I can't help myself. I mean, it's just it's. There's so many things converging, which usually is a bad sign. Like it usually does not go that way. But he's playing such good golf, like you said, four straight uh, top tens at at uh, at the or top fives at the Open. Uh, he's been unbelievable here. He's been unbelievable this year. Uh, he's been great at Portrush. The only my my only deal is like. There's so much going on this week for him. He's going to get so many questions, so many requests, so so many different things that it's like, can he, can he stay isolated enough to to do it? And I think the I think the first round, the first two rounds are so telling for him because all of his big wins have been have been as the front runner. And I mean, that's how I mean, honestly, like that's how most guys win. But you know, specifically for him, his major wins, even his players this year, I think he was in second after 36 holes. So for me, he's got to be like top three or four after 36. And if he is, I, I think he's, I mean, obviously he's got the the staying power and I think he's got the firepower to, to get it done. It, it would be, for me, it would be a really, it would be a special cool thing for him to do this. I, I just, I, I think he is a, uh, I think he's a fascinating character. I think he's um, become a little underrated as a historical golfer, uh, even though I just talked about him being overhyped coming in. But uh, I, I think it would be pretty awesome for him to win this one. Yeah, the the cliche goes that you don't win it on Thursday, but you said can certainly lose it. I think the Thursday round is very important for Rory because yeah. there'll be nerves, you know, and, and just to sort of manage himself, get a decent round there, something under par, just get into the mix, then start to accelerate. Jack Nicholas mentioned um, that... He only started being concerned with competition come Saturday morning. Thursday, Friday, we just set up days. So if Rory has a, a good Thursday and a solid Friday, then you make hay on the weekend. He, he needs to stay in front of Matt Wallace. But then, <laughs> but then I'm thinking about this going, well, Wallace's group with Tiger Woods, which is going to sort of ruin him. So I'm, I'm helping myself with my uh, one and done pick right. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, if it does happen, the people of Northern Ireland are going to lose their minds. It's going to be awesome. Mark, you and I are going to enjoy it. Mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. Uh, we're going to enjoy it from our couch in our basketball shorts, drinking our coffee. Thanks for doing this. It was a lot of fun, and uh, we will meet up later in the week. Appreciate you, man. Take care. See you, Mark.